Becoming Sister Wives, Unconventional Marriage, Chapter 1, Mary and Cody. Mary. I spent the early years of my life living in California with my parents, both of whom were devout followers of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When I was a baby, my mom had a friend who had left LDS Church because she practiced plural marriage. When my mom learned about this, it piqued her interest, and she began studying the principle as well. Soon after, she suggested to my dad that the family move to Utah. He didn't know her religious reasons at the time, but he said, sure, let's move though it took them four and a half years to research and study the principle before they actually did. We finally moved to Utah when I was five years old. It was my mother who urged my father to take his first plural wife. He did, and she joined the family when I was only five, but I was still fond memories of her. Unfortunately, it was a short marriage with no children, and she left two years later. When I was 10, my mom and dad once again brought a new wife into the family. I didn't think there was anything strange about it. In fact, I was excited. I was a shy kid and didn't make friends easily. When I found out that the woman my father was courting was from a large polygamous family, I was thrilled to have the chance to get to know a whole new group of people and be able to make more friends. Our family quickly grew. Eventually, my father took four wives in addition to my mother. In total, I have 27 siblings. I was in a slightly easier position than many of the other siblings who came from my father's second, third, fourth, or fifth marriages. Since I was the child of my father's first marriage, his, quote, legal one, it was simple and natural for my father to be my father in public. Since polygamy isn't widely accepted for the other kids, it could be more difficult to acknowledge their father publicly. To my father's credit, he owned, that is, acted as though true father to every one of my brothers and sisters. Growing up, I always assumed I would live the polygamous lifestyle. It was a tradition in which I was raised. My biological parents and my mother's sister wives all seemed happy for the most part. Of course, there were normal ups and downs that that had happened in the family. I loved being part of a large family. It felt normal and comfortable. My parents, however, never pushed me toward the principle. They wanted me to make my own decisions and come to plural marriage if I chose through my own route. My parents' only rule about religion was that I had to go to church, but this isn't so different from millions of parents around the world. It also was made clear to me whatever religion I embraced as an adult whether our branch of fundamentalism, LDS, or something else, was entirely up to me. Despite the fact I was shy, I managed to make a number of friends outside our church group. I worked at a portrait studio and became friendly with many of my co-workers, which helped me to overcome my shyness. Perhaps because I interacted with so many people outside my faith when I was a teenager, For a time, I really questioned whether or not I was going to live the principle of plural marriage. I was struggling to find my way and discover my own identity within our close-knit community and the, the requirements of our faith. And then I met Cody. Cody. I was raised in the LDS faith. Both my parents were devout Mormons. However, when I was 14 years old, my mother pulled me aside and explained to me some of the doctrines of Mormonism that are a little more intense. One of these is of the celestial plural marriage. 
The moment my mother described the principle to me, I had the feeling that this was something I was going to follow. I had no idea how or when. I just knew. Of course, being young and stubborn, I battled hard against this calling. In the LDS church, there's absolutely no opportunity to explore plural marriage. It's simply not done. Plural marriage is one of the few things that sets Mormon fundamentalist faith apart from the followers of the LDS church. The religions are similar, but this is one of the differences. One of the differences is astronomical. Embracing it meant leaving the faith of my childhood forever. When I was 19, I was sent on my LDS mission to Southern Texas. During the two years I spent prophesizing for the Mormon church, the doctrine of plural marriage was constantly on my mind. It spoke to me. It called to me. But I still had no idea what to do with these summons. While I was away in the ministry in Texas, I got a letter from my mother telling me that my parents had excommunicated from the LDS church and had now joined a fundamentalist Mormon faith. I thought, well, this is interesting. But I was still too hard-headed to see the sign that I should follow in their footsteps. My parents' excommunication from the Mormon church broke my heart. I was deeply concerned about their spiritual welfare, but God spoke peace to me. I continued my service in the mission field and finished my two-year calling. By the time I returned from the mission, my father had taken a second wife. My mother had written me dozens of letters about how wonderful her sister wife was, so although I'd never met my new mom, I was ready to accept her completely. She deserved my respect and my love simply because my father had married her. When I returned to Utah from Texas, I immediately experienced the remarkable warmth of the principle of plural marriage as my mother had explained it to me years before. The warmth and love I imagined would go hand in hand with a polygamous lifestyle were no longer an unattainable ideal. They were real and concrete and precisely as I had imagined they would be. My mother was away, but here was another woman who loved my father and whom my father loved. And by extension, we grew to love other as mother and son. It was an easy and wonderful evolution. Even though my parents had converted to fundamentalism and I discovered for myself the warmth of the polygamous lifestyle, I was still uncertain about converting myself. I began associating with members of my parents' new church and attending their gatherings. I thought I knew what I wanted, but it took me a while to make the commitment. Then I met a girl named Mary, and that changed everything. Mary. I first noticed Cody at church. Our group is a quite close-knit and had been together for a long time, so any new face really stands out. He caught my eye, and I believe I caught his. Someone introduced us, but beyond a brief hello, I don't think we said a word to each other. I was 18 and had never been courted by a guy before. Shoot, I was so quiet I w that I'd probably never even been noticed by a guy before. So nothing of romantic nature crossed my mind during this first meeting. That summer, I attended a camp for girls of our faith. One of our fellow campers, a girl named Christy, was here from out of state and had a photo of her brother who was attending our church in Utah. When she showed it to me, I immediately recognized Cody. A few months after camp ended, 
Christy came back to Utah from her home in Wyoming to attend a wedding. She invited me over to the house where she was staying. I walked in the door and there was Cody sitting on the couch. He said, hi, Mary. You're the Mary my sister's always talking about. I was shocked that he knew my name. I was used to my friends getting all the guys when I was pretty much unnoticed. It was good to be seen for once and not overlooked for my shyness. I was a little taken with Cody right off the bat. He was definitely cute and he had a great attitude. He was talkative and engaged me in conversation and made me feel comfortable around him. Neither courting nor dating were on my mind at that point. He was a brother of a good friend and that's how we began our friendship. The next day, Cody and Christy came to meet me as I got off my shift at work at the portrait studio in the mall. The three of us went to lunch and then to an evening get-together. I felt comfortable around them as I'd fallen into a new and safe friendship. Over the next few days, I began discovering what a fun guy Cody was. He was always laughing and smiling. He had a good attitude and a positive outlook on life. He was outgoing and positive. I was impressed with the strength of his convictions and the depth of his spirituality. After knowing for just a few days, I found myself liking to be around him and spending time with him and wondering what direction this new relationship would take. One night, while his sister was still in town, we went to the home of some friends of his family for a party. There were quite a few people there, but every once in a while I would catch Cody looking at me. When our eyes met, he gave me a little smile. It made my heart race. Unfortunately, a few days later, Christy returned to Wyoming. Since she was the reason I'd been hanging out with Cody in the first place, I really didn't think that he and I would see much of each other as much as we had been. Thankfully, I was wrong. The next week, Cody and I continued running into each other at church events. Eventually, he asked my dad if it would be okay if the two of us went out to grab a bite to eat. I know it seems pretty old-fashioned that a young man would need my father's permission to go out with me, but our faith has specific morals to uphold the protocols and follow. Therefore, out of respect for me and my dad, Cody wanted my to request my father's permission for our association. Anyway, there was something flattering about a young man going to the trouble to get my father's approval before taking me out. My father was an excellent judge of character and warmed to Cody immediately. My dad had a good handle on people. He had no problem with me and Cody hanging out, which soon became the description we jokingly used for our relationship. He knew me well enough to know that we would be appropriate with each other and knew he had nothing to worry about in my new relationship. Now that we had my father's approval, Cody and I could get to know each other in earnest. Maybe it was because of me or maybe it was purely because of his growing interest in our faith. I think it's a combination of the two. But Cody started spending more and more time associating with people from our church. I usually found myself somewhere nearby. Cody was and always has been a loud and enthusiastic presence. It's hard to miss him in a crowd. Back then, I was quickly learning that Cody is the guy everyone wants to know and be around. At first, when people noticed us hanging out together, they would ask Cody if I was his sister. I had been a member of this church since I was five years old, but I was so quiet and shy that many people had simply not noticed me. Now that I was spending time with Cody, 
people began to take notice. Before, before Cody arrived in our group, I'd been a wallflower. Now I began coming out of my shell. It was nice, but it was strange. I was experiencing the people and places that had been most familiar to me in a whole new light. I was participating instead of standing on the sidelines. I was spending more and more time with him and starting to hope that our relationship would be go beyond friendship. But then, Cody broke my heart. After we'd known each other for a few weeks, when I could no longer deny that I was falling for him, Cody came over to my house. We were sitting on the couch waiting for my mom to get home. Cody really enjoyed my mom's company and wanted to spend some time with her, which pleased me and gave me the hope that things were becoming more serious between us. This hope was short-lived. At the precise moment, I'd expected him to make some sort of declaration to me, or at least hint at his feelings toward me, he said, I can't get involved in any relationships with girls right now. I like our friendship. Let's continue that. I was devastated. But I fought not to let it show. Cody. I'm a hopeless romantic and too easily infatuated. When I was growing up, I suffered all sorts of little heartbreaks. I had a careless dating style. I would dive into a relationship before considering my true feelings. Often, I'd find myself holding a girl's hand. Then I'd look over at her and think, Why am I holding her hand? I don't really like her. During my two years in the ministry in Texas, I promised myself that I would never again kiss a woman until I knew for sure that I was in love. When I returned home from my mission and began seriously considering converting from the LDS church to Mormon fundamentalism, my mother told me that I should take time away from girls, or at least from dating them. She knew that I needed to become less careless and discover what it was truly wanted from a relationship and whom I truly loved. My mother sat me down and said, the next time you find yourself infatuated with someone, why don't you just try and be friends? Don't rush into a romantic relationship right off the bat. Be friends and let something develop. That decided it. I told myself I was done with dating carelessly. I was done chasing girls. I urged myself to be patient and learn how to be friends with the next girl I came, became interested in. Mary was my experiment in friends. Mary was so cute and sweet when I met her that I had a hard time suppressing my hopelessly romantic nature. She had a remarkable purity about her. I had a sneaking suspicion that we were soulmates, but because of the promise I'd made to myself, I rejected this notion. I was determined to be Mary's friend until I knew better and could confirm my suspicion that our destinies were entwined. I was glad that Mary and I kept finding ourselves spending more and more time together. I was excited to be associating with members of Mary's faith. They had an intensity they had an intensity about religion that I found inspiring. Perhaps because of their religion was somewhat counterculture and at odds with certain conventional doctrines, they took no aspect of their belief for granted. They examined their convictions carefully and enthusiastically. The members of this group were fully committed to their ideologies and discussed them at length, both debating and confirming the tenets of their religion. Every day I spent with this group seemed to turn into an impromptu revival with profound discussions of spirituality and religion that I'd been missing from the, D the LDS church. 
Even though I love my new group of friends and their congregation, I hadn't yet determined whether I should join the faith. Nevertheless, I kept surrounding myself with people from my parents' new church. A few weeks after I told Mary that I wasn't open to dating, I invited her up to my parents' ranch in Wyoming for Thanksgiving. Mary and I were never far from each other's side during that trip. Naturally, people began to ask if we were dating. It was pretty clear that we liked each other a whole lot more than friends. I often caught Mary making eyes at me. I didn't have to ask her how she felt about me. It was written all over her face. I couldn't stop winking back at her from time to time. It was no longer possible for me to deny that I had strong feelings for Mary. She was sweet and innocent and a wonderful listener. She validated my existence. We became inseparable. At the same time, I thought this wasn't fair to Mary or me. I didn't want to lead her on, but I didn't want to make a mistake either. Thanksgiving ended. I planned to stay with my parents for a few days, so I drove Mary back to Utah with some of our friends. This was the first time in weeks we'd been separated for so long. I thought about her constantly while we were apart. The house was finally quiet, which is remarkable in my large family. All the guests had returned home and my younger siblings were in bed. I was sitting at my mom's kitchen table eating ice cream with a fork. The kitchen was dark, but the light from the living room spilled onto the floor. Again, I thought it wasn't fair for either of us to pretend we were just friends. We were obviously much more than that. I didn't want to drag this out and hurt Mary or myself in the process. I needed God to answer two questions. Should I join the church I was investigating? And should Mary and I get married? After all, I couldn't marry her without converting. But I wanted to convert because of a spiritual conviction, not because of my love for Mary. I finished my bowl of ice cream and decided to fast and pray until I knew the, with deep conviction what path I should follow. I went to the bunkhouse on my parents' property, which is where I slept. I got into bed and I began to fast. After only two days of fasting, I decided to drive back to Utah. Mary's parents had invited me to stay in the guest room at their house. I hadn't eaten since Mary left Wyoming, and I was shocked at how great I felt. I was strong and energetic, as if I were being sustained by a greater power throughout my fast. I felt as if this remarkable strength that persisted without food or water was part of my answer. When I got to the guest bedroom, I was overcome with an overwhelming feeling of peace, greater than anything I'd experienced before. That feeling, that unbelievable sense of tranquility and calm, was exactly what I had been searching for. I had made my decision, and I was at peace with it. That very day, I told Mary's dad that I had decided to join his faith. He made the arrangements quickly. The next weekend, I was baptized, and I committed myself to the principle of celestial plural marriage and to God the Almighty. Somehow, in the middle of all this, I remembered to ask Mary's father for his permission to court his daughter. I guess my conversation really cast me in a favorable light because he granted it immediately. After the bat at baptism, Mary and I went to the Temple Square outside of the LDS Temple in Salt Lake City to meet up with friends. I had my answer about both my faith and about Mary. I knew that I wanted to marry her, and I just had a feeling she would say yes if I asked. But as usual, 
I was moving too quickly and following my romantic impulses. We hadn't even started courting, but I was already kneeling at the altar. That night at the Temple Square, I was wearing an old trench coat for my mission. I turned to Mary and I said, Your hands are cold. When I took one of them in mine and I put our hands into the pocket of my coat, I didn't want the attraction. I didn't want to attract anyone's notice, but I wanted to hold her hand. I had finally become comfortable with our romance because now I knew this was the woman I was going to marry. Mary. Even though Cody had told me that he didn't want to date anyone, I still hoped that he would change his mind. We finally approached, when he finally approached my father about wanting to court me, I was thrilled. Cody and I had a wonderful courtship. The fact that we spent so much time as friends and knew each other so well allowed us to develop a sweet, romantic relationship based upon friendship and mutual respect. Cody and I decided to spend Christmas with his family at their ranch in Wyoming. I had been there three years since he had spent the Christmas there, and I was looking forward to getting to know his family a little better. We had been courting for about a month, and we had been hanging out for even longer than that. It was impossible for us to hide the depth of our feelings for each other. Everyone knew we were in love. At dinner, a few days before Christmas Eve, his family kept nagging us about our relationship. They all wanted to know, when are you guys getting married? They asked me over and over again. Finally, I shot back, well, he hasn't asked me yet. More to tease Cody than anything else, but maybe to light a fire under him. That night after dinner, we were sitting in the bunkhouse. Cody asked in a nervous but cute way, I'm thinking maybe we ought to get married, you know, if you want to. It was an awkward moment, not at all the romantic proposal girls dream of. Although I did want to marry him, I was hoping for a real proposal, and there was something else holding me back. I wanted to take some time for introspection, to know from God if this was the right choice for me. During this time, I was taking to check my feelings and validate them with God. Cody and I went ring shopping. We found a ring we both really liked, but we kept looking just to be sure. Cody knew this was the ring for us, though, so I thought, well, we're still shopping. He secretly had his sister buy it for him. On Christmas Eve, Cody officially asked me to marry him. He was really nervous. He sounded shy and embarrassed and not at all like his usual self when he asked me to marry him at this time. He handed me a jewelry box without opening it or taking out the ring, almost as if he was delivering a package. I thought it was sweet how nervous and unpracticed he was. You're supposed to take the ring out and present it to me, not just hand me a box, I told him. But I was giving him a hard time. I was thrilled that Cody had asked me to be his wife. I was completely in love with him. I knew he was my soulmate and that we were destined for each other. We had a strong foundation of friendship to build on. I was so excited to finally be engaged to him, and looking forward to becoming his wife. In true Cody fashion, he had once again jumped way ahead of himself. He'd asked me to marry him before he'd received consent from my father. The next day, Cody called my dad. The two of them had developed a deep friendship based on faith, spirituality, and understanding. So my father gave us permission at once. Cody, I love Mary. I was certain of it. But I was worried. 
In every one of my past infatuations, I had been able to explore the possibility of a chemical connection through a kiss. I hadn't done this with Mary, however, simply because it was not appropriate by the standards of my new faith, and because I was waiting for the appropriate time. When we started our courtship, I promised myself I wouldn't kiss her until we'd gotten engaged. This strict abstinence made our relationship and our commitment to each other more powerful and meaningful. This was no simple infatuation. It was love that had been established without the complications of physicality, which makes it spiritual above all else. During the first week of our engagement between Christmas and New Year's, we met with the head of the church to get his approval so that we could get married. He gladly granted us permission. On New Year's Eve, there was a dance for the members of our church community. Mary looked fabulous in a peach dress she wore and accentuated her curves in a way I hadn't avoided noticing before our engagement. I didn't need any proof that I was attracted to her at this point. I knew it without a doubt, and I was very excited about my decision to marry her. It simply, it seemed throughout the dance that we were the only two people there. Our voices and the chatter of our friends and family seemed to just be in the background hum as we got lost to each other. She was the most beautiful girl in the room. I couldn't take my eyes off of her the whole night. When I took Mary home and we were saying goodnight, I leaned in and I kissed her. I hadn't planned to do it, but I didn't try to hold myself back. It was a sweet kiss that felt natural and right. It was the best start of the new year I could have envisioned. That kiss told me I had made the right decision to ask for Mary's hand. Our chemistry was undeniable. Mary and I set a wedding date for April 21st, which gave us nearly four months of courtship and provided the time for us to even further deepen our relationship. It was an important and special time. After three subsequent marriages, I now understand what a luxury this courtship was. Since we had been monogamous, had a monogamous engagement, there were no complications from our emotions or our feelings of another wife. Mary and I were able to date as much and as freely as we wished. We were able to get to know each other unencumbered and unhindered. Those four months were wonderful. Our friendship developed into a remarkable love affair. We shared everything with one another. We got to know each other on an intimate and chaste level. After the first kiss, we shared many more kisses. It was clear to me that Mary and I were finally married, that there were no awkwardness between us. Mary was my fiancé, and we were very much in love. Our relationship was a typical love story, the kind you see in the movies and TV. She would smile from across the room, and I would wink back at her. We must have aggravated our friends and family with how much in love we were. We were, we were outwardly infatuated with each other. Deep down, we were becoming soulmates, I suspected from the moment we met. During our courtship, we were completely carefree. We had minimum wage jobs that weren't too committed. We didn't have much money, and we were trying to prepare for our wedding and honeymoon, but it didn't bother us. We didn't know where we were going to live after the honeymoon. We didn't know what we were going to do, but it was exciting. We had each other, and that's all that mattered. Mary. Cody and I were married on April 21st, 1990. We had a very special private wedding ceremony and a traditional wedding reception. I wore a simple and elegant white dress that I had made by hand, and I had my heart set on Cody wearing a white tuxedo. 
I look back at pictures from our wedding and laugh, but with the 80s having just ended, it was definitely the style of the day. Cody and I chose to spend our wedding night at our new home. It felt special to us to be able to begin our intimate lives together in our own home rather than in some hotel room. We were deeply and passionately in love with each other. There was no awkwardness between us. Everything felt as it should be. We had plans to leave on our honeymoon the next day, but unfortunately I got sick and that delayed our plans. Although being in this new relationship with Cody was absolutely amazing and wonderful, we had a lot of fun together planning our wedding and... I think my getting sick was just a result of all the stress that comes with planning a wedding. For the next three days, we stayed at home. Cody started calling our home our honeymoon cottage. Finally, toward the end of the third day, I felt good enough to travel. There we were four days after we were married, finally leaving on our honeymoon. We only got as far as Pocatello, Idaho that night. Our honeymoon was a typical Cody Brown style trip. Everything was spontaneous and unplanned. We were so excited to be married and to be traveling with only each other for company. The next day, we made it to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, our official honeymoon destination. We spent a memorable few days there sightseeing around the quaint little tourist town and exploring our new relationship. We had a magical and romantic experience together a wonderful beginning to our new life. After our honeymoon was over, I and Cody settled down in a town called American Fork, about a half an hour south of Salt Lake City. Our new life together was sweet and romantic. We spent as much time together as possible, just basking in the love shared between us. I was 19 and Cody was 22. We didn't have any plans set for the future yet. We didn't have school or careers tying us down. We just wanted our love affair to continue. During that first year of marriage, we weren't always the most responsible adults. At one point, we both held jobs that didn't really interest us. We needed to make a trip out of town to see his family in Wyoming, so we quit our jobs and decided to just get ones we actually liked when we returned home. We loved spending time together more than anything, and before we had kids and other wives in the picture, we were able to live carefree. Maybe we were purely enjoying ourselves, or maybe we were taking our time figuring out what we wanted. I think it was healthy not to have rushed into anything, pretending that we were more mature and knowledgeable than we are. One thing Cody and I knew, and had become committed to each other from the moment we got married, was that there were to be other wives. Even in the early days of our marriage, we talked about a second wife. We knew it was going to happen, but we didn't know when or how. We often had discussions about whether we would meet our next wife or who she should be or how we would bring this new person into our family. On occasion, when Cody and I would meet a woman, he and I would discuss whether she would be a good fit for our family. We knew it would happen eventually, but in the meantime, we were just enjoying the time we had together, learning, sharing, and falling more in love each day.